1: Scary Parish, it's Sunday, March 7th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me, and I think I want to start with the Big Ten because it was another wild weekend in the Big Ten. It's the best league in the country with the most legitimate Final Four contenders. Michigan, if you didn't notice, even with the loss at Michigan State on Sunday, is your Big Ten champ, but not without controversy. And that's because Illinois finished with two more league wins than Michigan but Michigan has the higher winning percentage so held to the victors value that means Illinois is the number two seed in the Big Ten tournament but both Michigan and Illinois right now are projected number one seeds for the NCAA tournament so before we discuss the league more broadly dead leg let's stop here who should be the Big Ten champ Michigan or Illinois
0: I didn't think you were gonna I didn't think you're gonna ask me that I was actually getting ready to fire that exact question back to you um Parrish, I would take Illinois. It played a full league schedule. It's won more games, 16-4 and four, to Michigan's 14-3 and three record. And this is a wonderfully spicy little thing we got going on here. But, you know, I'll shut up and throw it right back to you. I'm, I'm taking Illinois because it played all of its league games and it has more wins. And it won, even though this isn't shouldn't be the deciding factor. It did win at Michigan in the only matchup they have. Agree or disagree?
1: Disagree. I'm taking Michigan as your Big Ten champ because uh, it wanted to play all of its games. It just couldn't because of a COVID pause forced upon it by uh, outside influences. And either way, everybody agreed to this in the preseason. The Big Ten Conference Athletic Directors, Council of Presidents and Chancellors, they, they talked about this possibility. Hey, what's going to happen? Not really if, but when. All of our teams don't play the same number of games. How are we going to handle that when teams have to get shut down for COVID and we can't make up all of the games so that everybody has played the exact number of games? And they all got together and they said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to decide it by winning percentage. And that means that Illinois' athletic director was on board, just like Michigan's athletic director was on board, and everybody else was on board. And so all we're doing now is applying the agreement that we reached in the preseason. I honestly don't know why this is controversial.
0: I don't know if it's that controversial. I think it's made for some good uh, storylines and drama when Illinois wraps up its regular season on Saturday night to get to 16-4 and four and reaffirm its status on the one line. And you have players in the postgame, Io DeSumo, the most notable, Brad Underwood saying, you know, all I know is we finished all of our games. I had a column, by the way, up on Io DeSumo. He's been awesome. We'll get to that more broadly in a minute here. Here is the exact quote that Brad Underwood provided in the post game because he was he was offered a, a chance to, to talk about this. He said, I know we've won 16 games and played all 20 of them. We all knew this would be a unique situation with an unbalanced schedule in terms of not playing all the games, but I know this. Nobody's won more games than us, and we played them all. Io DeSumo said, with this, we when we believe we're the Big Ten champions – And Trent Frazier, I guess it's a yellow legal notepad. Whether he or someone else did it, they wrote B1G champions after. And I just, listen, it's good playful fodder. Although I will say, Illinois, Michigan fans are entrenched right now. And I do hope we get another meeting, at least one. Whether it's Big Ten tournament or in the NCAA tournament, either way. I hear your point on it. Although I will say, what you bring up, it's not like the Big Ten can't go back on its word. Because we know it did. We know that the Big Ten chancellors and athletic directors met before the season and agreed to a certain set of principles in terms of how the regular season would be determined. And then what happened, Parrish, with football?
1: Well, they, they had to change the, the – first off, it was stupid what they did, and I said it from the jump. They put a minimum requirement. You, you must play X amount of games to play in the Big Ten Championship game. And then it was like, holy crap, our best team clearly <laughs> is Ohio State and they don't have enough games, so let's just like lower that by a game and put the Buckeyes in. I thought it was ridiculous, but also motivated by something very clear. Like, we, we've got to get this team in the college football playoff. This is – you know you don't have that thing sitting there connected to this this is just one where it, it, we're not even brad underwood said we all know this was a possibility so we all knew it was a possibility that's why we talked about it and we came to an agreement nobody stood up and said i right, hold up before we agree to best winning percentage what if one team wins two more big 10 games than the other but still has a lower winning percentage? like what are we going to do then like, whatever you were going to – this is the same thing I said about the NCAA tournament in terms of how do you handle this? How do you handle that? You think through every possibility, and you come to an agreement in advance. You don't argue about it on the back end. They talked about this. Now, if you want to say they they decided to settle it incorrectly, I'm happy to hear you make that point. But when all of the ADs and presidents and chancellors came to disagree, this is what we're going to do if this thing happened, all they're doing is – what they said they would do if this thing happened. To me, it, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. If you want to have a conversation about, well, okay, now who's the better team? Who deserves to be higher on the one line? Like, those are all subjective things. But who is the Big Ten champ? It's Michigan, based on the agreement that was put into place a long time
0: ago. And you know what? Since it's like that, I really do hope these teams meet. uh, Because we've got like some real good back and forth here. And Trent Frazier leaning into it. I thought that was absolutely wonderful. How about this? The Big Ten, the only league that played more of its games conference-wise was the Valley, which played all of them. The Big Ten played all but four. It was the highest percentage. The only four games not played, as you might guess, uh, Michigan involved in three of them. Nebraska at Purdue. Indiana at Michigan, Michigan at Penn State, and Michigan Michigan at Northwestern. If I'm a Michigan fan, I'm pointing out the fact that the three two of the three games we didn't play were against Penn State and Northwestern. Okay. And then the other one were at home against Indiana. So for all intents and purposes, if they had played those games, what I do agree with, Parrish, is that they would be the champions. I just I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't have won those games. And then what are we talking about here? It's a 17 and three Michigan team. It's undisputed. But if Illinois wants to lean into it, I'm totally fine with that. I, You're telling me Indiana could have had another loss. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh, they have got They've they have dropped completely off. Um, before we swerve into the Big Ten uh, writ large, I do want to touch on Illinois in general because I, I wrote about him. Dasumu is, it, it's just freaking awesome, dude. That mask is so badass. He's going to wear it for the rest of the tournament because his nose is still broken and it has to heal. So uh, I wish him the speediest of recoveries. But I am loving the fact that arguably the most a valuable, talented player in college basketball is going to be donning that thing on the NCAA tournament stage parish. I would take Illinois over Michigan right now. I had to do a, uh, once you got to shuffle off CBS sports HQ, I had to do one more sponsored tournament projection segment. And so I had to pick the winner of the big 10 tournament. I did take Illinois. Uh, I, I, Not just because of the losses here in Michigan, but the way that Illinois is winning. DeSumo's back. He closed out again over the weekend. I mean, it's just, he's a joy to watch. That team is flying high, pun intended there. I think we would be in agreement, and I guess this will be reflected in your Monday morning Top 25-1. and Best team in the Big Ten right now is not Michigan, it's the Fighting Illini.
1: I have, even after Illinois beat Michigan's brains in earlier this week or I guess technically early last week, given that we're talking on the first day of a new week, for those who don't understand how a calendar works. um, I kept Michigan ahead of Illinois simply because Michigan had the better resume. And I think you agreed with me when we talked about it on Wednesday's podcast. I I think now, I mean, I haven't dove into the numbers. I, I still think it's close in terms of resume, but I think you have to wait it a little bit with how teams are playing now. And Illinois is awesome. And Michigan has lost two of its past three. I, 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 What I believe I will do on Monday morning, and I'll look at it later on tonight, I believe I'll go Gonzaga one, Baylor two, Illinois three, Michigan four. But the top four will remain the top four. And – I, I don't know if this is normal or not because I, I, I haven't researched it and I never will. It feels unusual to a week out of Selection Sunday. I feel like we can safely predict the four number one seeds and I feel like we can safely predict the five first-team All-Americans.
0: All right, let's go Let's go reverse that. Five first-team All-Americans off the top of my head real quick. You got Luka, you got Io, you've got Jared Butler, you've got Corey Kisper, and then who's not springing to mind for me is the fifth. Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham. Uh, Yeah, that's probably going to wind up being the five there because Oklahoma State, which we'll get to in a little bit, has just been dominant. 4-1 season. yes, probably, although Iowa fans, uh, they're going to be chirping a bit here. They close out the season with a win at Ohio State. They dispense of Nebraska as to be expected, and then they win uh, against Wisconsin late in a game that was dreadfully dreadfully taking forever to finish. That had to be the straw that breaks the camel's back with review stuff, by the way, Parrish. Just horrendous, but whatever. We'll put that to the side. Iowa's now 20-7. and Ken Palm 1-5 through as we record this podcast. Gonzaga 1, and then there's a sizable gap in efficiency margin even still with Baylor doing what it did against Texas Tech. Baylor 2. Michigan still sits at 3 with a little cushion. It's Iowa 4, Illinois 5. To those that want to say, and I did hear from a few Iowa fans, and I hear you fully. If Iowa were to win the Big Ten tournament title, I think it's going to have an interesting case. But if Illinois does not lose to... uh, If Illinois' loss comes against... And I don't have the bracket in front of me. They're still playing a Big Ten game as we record this. So whatever. It doesn't matter. Illinois would have to take a a pretty significant loss for me to believe that they don't deserve to still be on the one line. Not that it can't happen. I just think that this is what is going to be faded. I think Illinois is going to play well enough that it gets far enough in the Big Ten tournament that it's going to basically keep that hold. And even if Iowa were to win the Big Ten tournament, I'm not convinced that would still quite be enough. That's the only (laughs) problem... That's the team, unless Alabama wins the SEC tournament, right, Paris? That's that's where we're at. It's those two. And even Alabama, again, it would need help. Like, Michigan might have to lose its first Big Ten tournament game, and even then I don't think it's enough. So the point you're making, I'm agreeing with, but I do want to address these other teams because I know their fan bases will certainly let us know. I just don't think that's the likely outcome. I'm with
1: you. Like, I'm not saying Illinois can't be caught. I don't think Gonzaga can be caught. I don't think Baylor can be caught. I'm, I'm skeptical Michigan can be caught. And, but I do think Illinois can be caught. I just don't think it will. Um, it's they got nine quarter one wins right now. If you compare, Iowa's got seven, but you got some ground to make up. I mean, it, for Iowa to catch Michigan, I mean, for Iowa to catch Illinois, it, it's almost like they've they need they need two things to happen. They need Illinois to go out early, and they need to go win the whole thing. Like that—that's basically the recipe for that. Um, I, I know you don't think as highly of them as i do but like alabama can maybe get there if the, it, now it would take illinois losing early iowa losing early and then alabama wins the sec tournament mm-hmm. but they, they would have a case if those things happen but ultimately like if i had to bet my 401k right now i, I think it's gonzaga baylor michigan illinois i think that's your four number one seeds next week
0: i, I listen i want to be clear you're definitely higher on bama than i am but i did listen i did a me, me and strong jaw Big time deep dive on the Crimson Tide. Love their style. The reason why I'm discounting Bama from the discussion is it's the only team in the mix for a one seed that has a quad three loss. And I think that's going to be the disqualifying thing because none of the other teams that are in that race can can get a quad three loss at this point. So I just think that's going to be the barrier to entry. That's all.
1: Yeah, no. And it might be. Um, the the quad three loss, by the way, it came all the way back in December. Do you remember to who? Trivia town.
0: You know what, off the top of my head, I can't remember, it. I feel like as soon as you say it, I'm gonna know it.
1: You are. How about I called their game on Facebook for CBS Sports Network on Saturday night. Uh
0: so no, you were there, wasn't the Old Dominion game on Friday, so it's not Old Dominion. I uh, had
1: I had Florida Atlantic Old Dominion on Friday night. Okay. And I had
0: <laughs> you have uh, Saturday.
1: No, I had Florida Atlantic Middle Tennessee. On Friday. Okay. And on Saturday, I had Old Dominion against.
0: That would have been, oh, that's Western Kentucky because it took a loss, right? That's the Hilltoppers. And that's a quad, that was a quad three? No, the, the Hilltoppers won.
1: The Hilltoppers lost Friday night. Yeah. one Saturday night. Their at-large hopes are done.
0: Their at-large hopes are done. That's a bubble popped, I, I, I hate to say. And yes, the WKU loss. And the, the Western Kentucky win over Bama was why they had an at-large case to begin with that just uh, right. that just evaporated. So that's the only quad three loss. I, I That's why I think they have the ceiling. But we'll see. If they were to win the SEC tournament, which, by the way, I think they're going to do. I think their toughest matchup might be Tennessee if they meet there. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. I want to ask you something real quick that you brought up on HQ, though. Because I want to give a, a team a little bit of shine here that I don't think we've talked about too much this season. I had to send in... My USBWA like top 15 players for first team, second team, third team All-American consideration on Sunday. The deadline is Sunday night as the end of the regular season. Um, I think we're doing it too early. That's a whole different issue altogether, but whatever. Um, the last player that I put under under consideration for that, because I actually got to a point where I was looking at about 18, 19 guys for 15 spots. The last player I put produced Travion Williams. He's seventh in Ken Palm's player of the year algorithm. Purdue is 18 and eight. It's won five in a row. Most recent wins on the road have come against Nebraska and Penn State, which aren't huge, but the Michigan State, Wisconsin, and then wrapped it up with an Indiana win on Saturday. Archie Miller still hasn't beaten the Boilermakers. Purdue has found itself an interesting spot. You brought him up on HQ. They've 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 been hitting this weird area where they've been so safely into the field, but never even flirting with one, two, three seed chatter that they've just kind of blended into the background. And you you said on TV that you thought that Purdue's chances to advance and be like a real mover in the, in the tournament uh, wasn't getting quite enough due or credit. And I would I would agree with you, Matt Painter, just does not get enough credit. But I would agree with you on this overall. They are a, a, a pretty pretty good team. Williams has been a stud. I think he's 13 All-American level as we speak tonight. Um, just wanted to kind of lay out the, the stage for you there because I do think the Boilers on this pod deserve a little more respect because they haven't really come up much at all in the past two, three months.
1: So there are six teams in the top 15 at Ken Palm in the Big Ten. Four of them get talked about a lot. Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State. They have all at one point or another been considered possible, if not probable, number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. So the attention they get is worthy. The fifth is Wisconsin, which I don't, I, I'll never understand how Wisconsin's always so high in Kinpom and so not always so at, but that's just an okay team this season. They're just okay. That's all they are. But they're 11th at Kinpom. And um, the sixth is Purdue. Purdue is 13th at Kinpom. They've got six quadrant one wins. They're 13-7 and seven in the first two quadrants with one quadrant three loss that came all the way back in December as a stupid loss at Miami. But either way, like that Purdue team, I'll just put it this way. If you're top 15, and I think this is what I said on HQ, there's, there's five legitimate Final Four contenders in the Big Ten. It's the four everybody talks about and at Purdue. And if you ask me, really, Purdue, I would say yes, Purdue, because if you're top 15 at Ken Palm, you're a legitimate Final Four contender.
0: I would agree with you. And maybe the Big Ten tournament's gonna be a moment for this team. Maybe it won't be. Maybe they'll get a win and then they'll be out and then they're just gonna enter in as like a four seed in the NCAA tournament and then suddenly like you've got a real true like Elite Eight sleeper kind of team there. Trevion Williams has been outstanding. And it's not just him, obviously. Jay Nivey has been uh certainly a stud level freshman for them. Just, you know, thought they deserved mention here. I think they kinda kept just you know, hovering on the back burner because they weren't competitive in their game against Michigan at the end of January. They lost against Maryland. Then they got beat at Minnesota, which I don't have Minnesota. If you told me that was Minnesota's last win, I would believe you. That was like almost a month ago. Um, But certainly worthy uh, of being in that discussion. And yes, 13th and Ken Palm as we speak. What about Michigan State? We got to touch on them because they get the win. They Go ahead.
1: On CBS Sports HQ, yeah, um, you were hesitant to put the Spartans in the field with a permanent marker. I am not. I think they're in. Uh, I don't – whatever happens in the Big Ten tournament happens, I think they're in right now. Why are you hesitant I'm, to say that?
0: I'm – so when we got I mean, asked, Let me be
1: clear. I don't mean – everybody thinks they're in right now. Right. I I mean I think they're locked
0: in. You, I don't yeah. think
1: they can do anything to get knocked out of the
0: bracket. Right, at this you've point. got them as a lock, meaning just they're no in. doubt. So No doubt. I have not, uh, like a
1: lock to like, to define it in, in, in my mind, right. a lock is no matter what happens between now and selection Sunday, they're in the incident of tournament. And that is what I believe about Michigan state. No matter what happens between now and selection Sunday, they're going to be in the bracket.
0: So my, my, uh, loading bar is at about 90% on with you on that. Uh, I remain, I, and I haven't looked at every single team that was around them to see where, where we're at there. Uh, if they were to lose their first big 10 tournament game i think it gets a little bit interesting now they do have they have 5 quad 1 wins which is going to do them wonders they have a 4 and 2 quad 2 record which is good and they haven't lost a quad 3 or quad 4 game these are the calling cards for michigan state and then once the committee obviously looks at the once it looks at the results i mean come on now it's going this is why i think you know if you were to break this down, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but like wins over Illinois, Ohio state and Michigan, what are we talking about here? Like that's, that's the the Trump card. And I think I would mostly agree with you. Why I'm just stopping short is dodge that loss. If it were to come in your first big 10 tournament game, you get that like, I'm hundred percent with you, but also where they stand in the metrics is funky. So obviously as always, we're doing this podcast on Sunday night and the numbers will change on, on Monday morning across the board. Michigan State's going to rise. I'm wondering how high it will rise because as we speak here, and these are going to rise. 72 in the net. Like, forget even the 70s. If you're in the 60s in the net, and this is not a, a a metric that's been around for more than four years, so we don't have a ton of history of like, well, the lowest rated net team to to not get in, or or the highest rated to to not get in, the lowest rated to to be snubbed, et cetera, et cetera. We don't know that yet. But 68 in KPI, 41 healthy, strength the record, that's going to jump for sure. And then Ken Palm, BPI, Sagarin, uh, BPI and Ken Palm are 69-61, Sagarin, healthy at 40. These are good numbers, not great numbers. The net stuff, frankly, is still vexing to me. I'm mostly with you, and I think they're going to get in. I just think there's a narrow, narrow chance where if they were to lose their Big Ten tournament game, and then there was some basically aberrational movement on bubble teams getting wins they needed, then maybe it becomes a question. I'm just not seeing it there. So I just stopped ever so shortly. We are mostly uh, we are mostly in agreement. And I will take a mea culpa here because I know that I wrote off Michigan State on the podcast, on the website. The team was 10-9 and on February 19th, had lost two games to Iowa and Purdue by a combined 40 points, was 4-9 in the league. At that point, it's like they're done. There was no we. There was no conceivable way we thought this team was going to be able to pull it out. So credit to Izzo and that team. Joshua Langford hit a huge three. Rocket Watts had his best game in months on on Sunday. And so whereas Duke is definitely see you later, Michigan State Izzo, that Hall of Fame coach, uh, you know, salvaged something and certainly uh, right now I agree. Like they're they're not only in as of now, but they're at worst like the highest ranked first four team, and they're probably just out of that and might be the uh, the first team in the field and not having to play in the first four.
1: So the way the Big Ten tournament bracket is set up, um, Michigan State is going to be the nine seed. They're locked in. Okay. And that means that their first game is against the eight seed. Now we are recording it while Maryland is, is still playing. And that that the outcome of that game is is going to determine who is the eighth seed in the Big Ten Tournament. But here's what we already know. It's going to be Maryland or Rutgers. That, that is who Michigan State is playing in its first Big Ten Tournament game. It's a quadrant one opportunity. Mm-hmm. My point being, even if they lose it, they will still be they'll, – they'll drop to 9-12 and 12 in the first two quadrants – They'll still have five quadrant one wins. They'll still have those big wins over Michigan, Ohio state, Illinois, and they'll have no losses outside of the first two quadrants, which is uncommon for a bubble team. Simply put the worst case scenario has them taking another quadrant one loss before they do anything else. And then this, the resume is done. And I think even that, that resume
0: is going to be good enough.
1: One last thing on the big Ten: you concerned at all about Ohio state four game losing streak.
0: Three. That's a good point, man. That's just, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess a little bit here. They take they take another L. Um, man, if they lose again, that'll be a discussion once we get into the thick of the into that bracket, and that tournament there, in terms of what seed would be would make uh, the most sense for them. But yeah, there's real concern. I mean, ninety two eighty seven loss to Michigan, seventy one sixty seven loss at Michigan State, seventy three fifty seven loss at home to Iowa, seventy three sixty eight loss at home to Illinois. And by the way, just real quick on that, like Ohio State probably should have won the game, but Io DeSumo was on the on the court. And so the greatest closer in college basketball this season, again, just did his thing and pulled the rug out from under Ohio State. So I half put it on OSU and half it's like, he's the dude. What do you want from it? So, yes, a little bit of concern there. Maybe they can get right in the Big Ten tournament. And even if they don't, maybe they're going to be that classic case of a team that's a quality team once it gets out of its league and gets an opponent that's not familiar with them. Like, if you told me Ohio State was able to get to the Sweet 16 because it it just got a, a, a nice matchup with two opponents, I would believe you. But yes, I do have concern, and I don't think there's any chance for that team to make the final four. On uh, um, no chance? Yeah, yeah. No, I said that on HQ two. I don't. Yeah, no chance. No chance. No, because they because they too little. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You and, and the defense isn't too- good enough. am Listen, listen. I know Holtman doesn't get enough credit. I'm very aware of this stuff, but the defense, uh, f- seriously, it's just not good enough, and they're too small. I just, it's is it impossible? No, I just don't. I don't. I can't see that at all.
1: Yeah, if you're looking for positives, they were in three of these four games and all four were the NCAA tournament teams. The only one where they, they got away from them was was the Iowa game, but I told you they just too little for Luke Garza, at least in that game. I know they beat him earlier in the season, but four game losing streak. I've still got him in the top eight people I still think they got one of the best eight resumes in the country like I still think they've got a two seed resume but boy you know two weeks ago they had a one seed resume and it's heading the wrong direction
0: real quick before we transition to the next topic I did want to mention this because I had it in my notes um Joe Wieskamp twisted his ankle for Iowa. So if Fran McCaffrey said he's day-to-day. He's extremely important to what they do. It doesn't seem to be that serious. We've we had we've had a spate here of, uh, of significant injuries, and Wieskamp having what happened there is obviously notable. And then we wait to see with Eli Brooks at Michigan what's going to happen there. So just some injury news in addition to the stuff at Villanova, which you can get to in a little bit.
1: Also at Iowa, I don't know if you caught this, after the game today? they announced that they will retire Luka Garza's number 55. So um, I, I love this. I'm a big believer if you're going to do something, do it. You know you're going to do it I love someday. It. So just do it. He's the all-time leading scorer. He's a, about to be the national player of the year. He's going to be a two-time consensus first-team All-American. That's the number, that 55, that was always going to be retired. We'll do it, the ceremony in non-pandemic times. This is the worst one i ever seen. It will do it in non-pandemic times and let you know let that building be filled up, Carver Hawkeye. But um, if you know you're going to do it, go ahead and say you're going to do it. And they did say it, and he got emotional. He teared up, as you would, I think. I mean, he, we talked about him a bazillion times. It's a sub-100 recruit coming out of high school all-time leading scorer to Iowa. That's a hell of a college basketball career.
0: Good stuff. Yes, and that was another they did it right there. They surprised him with it. That was wonderful stuff. You know, as as you can well tell, we start the podcast with it, but just a lot of uh interesting uh, stuff in the Big 10 this weekend as we as we gear up for the Big Conference tournament starting in a few days.
1: So the wildest finish of the weekend belonged to Houston-Memphis. It created the following headline at cbsports.com. Houston's wild shot stuns NCAA hopeful Memphis. Ooh, boy, did it ever. We'll talk about that next, but first, check this out. So the wildest finish of the weekend belonged to Houston-Memphis. It did create the headline at CBSSports.com, Houston's wild shot stuns NCAA hopeful Memphis. It certainly did. Final score, Houston, 67, Memphis, 64. The last few seconds were something else. Let me run you through it. So it's 64-61 Houston, clock under 10 seconds, Memphis has the ball. Lester Quinones decides to launch a three from NBA range with about eight seconds left. It's not close. Hits off actually hits off the bottom of the backboard, bounces around, somehow hits the backboard again. Malcolm Dandridge eventually grabs it. He kicks it out to Boogie Ellis. Barry's a three, so we're tied 64-64 with 1.7 seconds left. Houston has to go length of the court, so think Christian Leitner, Bryce Drew, but not Huck Drew. Marcus Sasser somehow gets a bounce pass to half court, finds Traymon Mark, one dribble, 40-foot heave, banked in, game winner. Houston celebrated. Memphis stood there stunned. So now Houston's going to take a four-game winning streak into the AAC tournament, and now Memphis needs to win the AAC's auto bid to make the NCAA. Ballet Belay tournament for the first time under Penny Hardaway, dead leg. Why are the Tigers always on the wrong side of buzzer-beating threes on CBS America's Most Watched Network? Mario Chalmers in 2008, Tremont Mark in 2021, and don't even get me started on the Darius Washington Miss Free Throws Uh-oh. in 2005. Those were also on the network of stars. <laughs> CBS has been great for me, but it has not been great for my alma mater. Norland, what was it like to watch my hometown get crushed at the buzzer?
0: The wavelength we are on with this podcast. I didn't think you were going to bring up Darius. I was going to say you've forgotten one, and you're going to rank him. Heartbreak rank right now. Go one, two, three. Chalmers won.
1: clear. Chalmers for the tie. (laughs) Although, Chalmers for the tie was just like, you got to be kidding. Right. You know, like, oh, my God. The shot does
0: not beat you. That shot does not end the game unlike the other two. Dead leg, that game was over the second that shot went in. Just trust me.
1: If you would have told me I got to, like, Kansas minus five <laughs> in overtime. I'd have been like, it, the game is over. I know you're you're technically right. The game was over. So um, that one, like, I mean, it's cost you a national championship. I mean, what are you talking about? Um, I'll tell you this: it wasn't as gut wrenching as Darius. Yeah. The, the, the sitting courtside inside FedEx Forum, watching that, because that was Memphis was a Memphis was not even on the bubble. It was very much like you win this, you go to the NCAA tournament. You lose this, you don't. And everybody knew it. 18,000 people in the building. And Darius, a freshman, standing at the free throw line all by himself and makes the first, misses the second, misses the third. I said it then. It is still true 16 years later. It is the most gut-wrenching, non-injury sports moment I've ever witnessed in person. I I don't even think you got to be a Memphis fan or a Memphis graduate to have been sick watching that moment unless you're a louisville fan it 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 was uh it's the most gut-wrenching non-injury i've ever seen in a team sport
0: the moment that moment i'll get to sunday shot because that's just an absurdity there but that darius washington moment was so dramatic that it transcended sports. Do you realize? You may realize this because we want to could have talked about in the podcast when this happened, or just be given the nature of where you live and that it's a team. Do you realize that the band Fish wrote Fish, a song? Rec- yes. Of course. F- Trey Anastasio and I don't remember the exact backstory, but someone tell it like he's not a sports fan like that. I guarantee you, when that happens, Trey Anastasio is not locked in on America's Most Watched <laughs> Network in 2005. That's not happening. I promise you, but. Uh, the situation surrounding it, like it moves him so, so he wrote a song called uh, "The Line" that's on their album. Good album, Fuego. Um, that, that that just doesn't happen that often. Like a sports moment like that, particularly like a Conference USA basketball game, <laughs> inspiring Vermont's greatest band of all time to write a song about it. Fourteen years after the fact, it's just I've always. Well, done that know, the much.
1: interesting thing about that is if you remember that CUSA title game, and by the way, that, the CUSA back then was awesome. It was legit. I mean that was Louis it was Louisville. no
0: Metro conference, but it was real. I grew up on a Metro conference.
1: It was Louisville with Rick Patino, Marquette with Tom Crean, uh Cincinnati with Bob Huggins, Charlotte with Bobby Lutz. Um it like that was a real league. You know, Memphis obviously with John Calipari. Um, but that game, that championship game was always like 11 a.m. Yes. You know, it was early on Saturday. It was the first game on America's Most Watched Network. So what happened? is that happened and then it was on every halftime the rest of the day till midnight it was on it was just on a loop all day long like if you were watching college basketball on that Saturday before selection Sunday in 2005 you saw Darius Washington miss those free throws a hundred times and it just became ingrained in like we joke all the time. I can't even remember Final Fours that I was at. Like what? Ha- I, I, there are college basketball fans all over the country who don't care anything about Memphis or Darius. They remember that
0: without a doubt. Um, so apologies uh, to anyone. That, sorry for the uh, for no trigger warning with that, but that is. I mean, that's now Memphis basically has three infamous March moments. The wrong end of them. Just, just coincidentally, all on CBS, and, and in the past 15, 16 years, and what we saw Sunday—I gotta I mean, get the Tigers back on ESPN Plus. Yeah, immediately. Know. <laughs> you know what? That's actually true. That's true. <laughs> and you, and you, my friend. Here's the here's the reality of the situation. Like, I, you might have your highest rated show of the, of the year tomorrow. Like, come on, this loss—you know it. Like, people are gonna be fiending after Memphis loses this way, right?
1: Oh, sure, there's a big market for, like, yes, the, the radio will lead on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, 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 I don't want to get off on a 20-minute conversation, but, th- but like, you know, the day after I uh, broke the news that Memphis was likely to fire Tubby Smith and replace him with Penny Hardaway, that like, that's what people really wanted to hear. With this, there's not a whole lot to say other than you just relive the, the heartbreak of it for the fan base. Um, you know, I, I texted with Penny after the game. He seemed in good spirits. Like, he seemed like – I think he was proud of the way his team played. Like they went toe to toe, punch for punch, with a top ten team on the road. And I don't, um, I don't know that he'll say this, but I think he believes it. Like, it's going to be hard for them to go win the tournament. They, 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 they probably won't. But you know, the, the only team clearly better than them in that league is the one they played today, and they played the, they played them to the buzzer. <sighs> you know, they, they'll go give it a shot.
0: Hugh, uh, uh, <laughs> disrespect right now? To who? Who am I disrespecting? To the American Athletic Conference regular season champion, Wichita State Shockers? This is this is actually an interesting
1: deal. Wichita State is the outright AAC champ and might not even be a top three team in the league. Oh, oh my gosh. Shocker. Houston is sixth at Ken Palm. Memphis is 40th. SMU is 54th. Wichita State is 72nd. Wichita, listen, I'm happy for the Shockers and Isaac. They won that based on the schedule. That's a schedule induced championship,
0: period. But you're not gonna you're not gonna contradict yourself though. They are the champions. They are the champions. I'm okay, okay, I'm just making I'm just making sure. They're
1: the AAC champions, but probably the fourth best team in the league.
0: Okay, there we go. Depending on what you think of UCF. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no, the, but, that, but, is but going, that could be, a, by the way, this could, now, oh, Houston's best team. But if yes. it gets picked off, the, that conference tournament could be a, a little bit wild there. Uh, Memphis you know. will be favored over
1: anybody in that league on a neutral court except for Houston.
0: Yeah, that's it's got a good shot, and it's I just I just don't think that it will have. I don't even think if it gets to the title game, it's going to have enough to validate getting itself into the field. Man, that would have been a huge win. Shout to Tremont. Mark. No, they, they Martin, can't. Matt. They
1: cannot get there. Let's be clear about that. Okay.
0: Memphis, there are. There's no at large hopes anymore. You have to go. You got to go win three
1: games in Frisco, Texas.
0: Last thought on this is just the shot itself, Tremont Mark. Uh, first of all, less than two seconds to go. It's a bounce pass to half court, and it almost feels like the ball, like it was intended for him, but he's double-teamed. Memphis isn't trying to foul. He just – he basically chucks up a prayer, and it banks off and in, and it was just – it was phenomenal to get that on CBS the day before. You had scooted on out to do stuff with CBS Sports Network, but me and Chip Patterson had to go on after USC beats UCLA at the buzzer. Don't worry – I'm getting there. We'll but get back, there. Ba- I'm getting there. Back-to-back days, buzzer-beating wins in unlikely fashion. The month has arrived, the greatest one of the year. Good on Houston. It's still in the conversation for a two-seed. I I would love to be wrong about this, Parrish. I don't think we will get a more unlikely buzzer-beater in the NCAA tournament than what Houston pulled off against Memphis on Sunday.
1: Dude, a bounce past a half court. What are we talking about? Uh, just, and, then, and then it's one dribble. heap. Did you hear the audio on it? Yes. He says, that's game. (laughs) No, what are we doing? What? What (laughs) That's the great thing about not having fans or not having very many. You can hear the players calling game. So Mark just chunks it at the rim. That's game. Banked in. Like, what? (sighs) Um, Awesome. Like, awesome moment. Uh, Heartbreaking for my city, uh, but an uh, an awesome basketball moment. And um, let me ask you this. Where are you on guard, the inbounds guy?
0: I'm on guard him. I'm on guard him.
1: This, this became a little bit of a debate on I'm Twitter.
0: on guard the inbounds guy and make it, make it as difficult as possible to get a clean look, specifically when you're dealing with, like, two seconds or fewer on the clock because you don't have that much time to gather yourself to, to get into position there. Make it more difficult. I am team 100% of the time. Guard the inbounder.
1: Okay, so I am too, or at least I have always been. You know, the most famous play – under similar circumstances is Kentucky not guarding the inbound guy. So if for no other reason, like you do it because they didn't do it and it really made things uh, go poorly for them. On the other hand, (laughs) how often does the inbound guy actually do anything?
0: Well, we had a situation, and forgive me, I can't name the player, but in the Cleveland State triple overtime game last weekend, that actually did lead to the game – ending because they specifically they brought in a dude who's like 7-3 and never plays and it actually made an impact. I get the point you're saying, but just as coincidence would have it, this scenario showed itself three, four nights ago, Parrish, and it made an impact. It's one of the things that you can't put a, a quantifying number on, but if you have a six ten legitimate defender who's long and can get in and make and make a difference yeah, you might be able to impact an inbounds pass particularly opposite here, it's opposite baseline. Just make it that much more difficult to get it in it's not foolproof, but I just – I'm I'm a believer in that system.
1: Yeah, I think I am too. But, like, as I started to think through it, because I saw – I've, I've just always been, like, you know, team foul up three, team guard the inbounds guy. Like, I'm I've, I've very clear on these things. But then as I start seeing other people try to make con, uh, counterpoints, I start thinking through it. And I'm like, how often do I go, ooh, the inbound guy really did prevent this thing from happening? Like, they only – it feels like, in theory, it's smart – But is it actually effective? Or would you rather play five on four at the other end and have a free safety who can maybe, I don't know, go intercept a 50-foot bounce pass?
0: (laughs) I know. There's there's something to that, man. That play is just... I just don't think I've ever seen a, a game end with that sequence. Opposite baseline, bounce pass under two seconds to go, double team, bank shot in. That's why I love this sport.
1: Loyola Chicago beat Drake on Sunday to secure the MVC's automatic bid. So now there are two questions. One, how will the committee seed Loyola Chicago? And two, will Drake get an at-large bid? Norland, let's take these one by one, starting with how the Ramblers will be seeded. If I made you bet your one alive leg, what seed would you guess Loyola Chicago gets next Sunday?
0: All right. Again, both legs are alive. Okay, very much alive. Left one, it might even be even stronger. Can jump higher off it than the one that never had an issue. Let's just be clear. How do you that.
1: even know that? When are you jumping? When are you going? When are, what are you doing? Why are you? I jumping? have kids.
0: What do you mean? When am I jumping? I have a five-year-old and two-year-old boy. I'm jumping every single day. What? You jump? You jump with your kids? Yeah, yeah. Well, like we go outside, we play. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. I don't
1: think I, I don't think I jump with my kids that often.
0: Yeah, no. They're, they're we play bat.
1: We play basketball, and uh,
0: I don't have to jump. Okay, well, you got the rim down to what, five feet there? What are we talking about? What do you mean you don't have to jump? Pl- we play... You swatting it? Yeah, here's what you're doing. We
1: just had a new basketball goal put into
0: our new toy room. And uh, it's, that's, at about, yeah. it's
1: at about seven feet. I can dunk it if you want to see me. I'll I do actually, you know
0: what? I do want to see I do want to see you. The listeners want to see you. And I have seen the video, and it's legit. This toy room is ridiculous. But let's not get off on a tangent here, okay? That's, that's good stuff, and we'll save it for another time. Uh, so I got to bet. Here's the thing. And we talked about this a little on HQ as well. Do you have any confidence that you can accurately peg where the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee is going to put, what line they're going to put Loyal on? Because I don't. I think it could be as high. I do think that it will not get higher than a 7, and I don't think it will get lower than an 11. But anyone that can tell you they know how the committee is going to treat this team, they're lying to you. Here's where Loyal ranks right now again, Sunday night, with the metrics. And it's fascinating. 16 in the net, 9 in Kempom. 21 healthy BPI. Then they're 43rd in strength of record, 44 in KPI. And when you dig into the resume, there isn't like the Drake wins are nice. Don't get me wrong here, but they lost at Wisconsin by 14. They got beat on a neutral by two against a Richmond team that we thought was going to be better than it actually was. Then it's got a loss against Indiana state I happen to think that Loyola Chicago standing at Kempom is inflated because of an incomplete non-conference schedule. I do think, like, I'm going to have to rank 1 through 68 as I always do every selection Sunday. Here are the teams that I think are the best in order. I promise you, I will have Loyola Chicago somewhere in my top 25. I think this is one of the 25 best teams in college basketball. How's the committee going to do it? My blind guess, Parrish, is that Loyola will be on the nine line. What's your guess? You'd have them I higher, say, I know. But
1: I would. I mean, I I would have them. Um, you know, I I've, I'm trying to. Think am I go, am I going
0: to be wrong? Do you think they've got a a, a relatively healthy chance to even be above a seven? Because when I look at the resume and who they've beaten, I just cannot get myself to that point. I
1: think they've got a chance. I mean, I I, I would have them as a top four seed right now. Now, I don't think they're going to get that, but I have him 16th in the top 25 and one, and I mostly rank based off resume. You know, Jerry Palm has him as a 12th seed. Now, that was before the championship game of the MVC tournament, but like so, but that ain't going to, a win over Drake ain't going to knock him up two two seed lines. Well, so let's say that he
0: puts him on an 11 when he refreshes Monday. Yeah.
1: Okay. They're 24 and four. They're on a six-game winning streak. It's not like they've done nothing inside the first two quadrants. They're six and four inside the first two quadrants with zero losses outside of the first two quadrants. They're two and two in quadrant one. Like, okay, so just try to your best to remember what I just told you. Yeah. I think Houston is tremendous. I've got Houston in my top ten. I would have Houston as a two or a three seed right now. I just told you that that um Loyola Chicago is six and four in the first two quadrants with zero losses outside of the first two quadrants. Houston Houston is six and two in the first two quadrants with a quadrant three loss. How are there nine seed lines between Houston and Loyola Chicago? They both got strong compute. Loyola Chicago is nine um, at Ken Palm and 16th in the net, like you said. Houston is sixth at Ken Palm and fifth in the net. I acknowledge Houston should be seeded Mm -hmm. better than Loyola Chicago. But how could one be a three and the other be a twelve, based on what I just told you?
0: Uh, that I I cannot come to terms with that. And again, I'm I'm just trying to predict where I think the committee is going to. I would love to be wrong about this. Now, do you remember? I'm, I know every time I ask you this, it, it can be it can be <laughs> it can be a flawed premise from the get go. But do you remember when we talked about Wichita State? When it was really, really good 2016, 2017 season. This was a Wichita State team that was, you know, top 20, top 15 status at Kencom down the stretch. I just brought up their Ken Palm page at the end of the Missouri Valley conference tournament, which they won, they were 30 and four and they were 11th in Ken Palm. And we banged the table and said, this team, cause it didn't have, you know, a, a wide assortment of just, you know, gotta have it mega wins, but they had a really good record. They had defeated an Oklahoma team. That was just okay. On a new, neut- on a neutral there. They had a win over a bad LSU team that season, but we said, look at what they've been able to do against that schedule Here's why they deserve this, this. And I remember campaigning, if you want to call it that, saying, like, Wichita State needs to be a single-digit seed, and I would have this team, like, on the five line, on the six line. Where did Wichita State get seeded that season?
1: They went, I think they were 12 in the first four.
0: They were they were a 10 seed. They were a 10 seed in 2017. With oh, a, I thought you were talking about 2016. 2016-17 season. They were 31, and they were 30-4 and four heading into the NCAA tournament. They were borderline top 10 Ken Palm team, and the committee gave them a 10. So that won't translate directly to Loyola Chicago this season, Parrish, but it's instances like this where Ken Palm, BPI, they're predicting how good you would be. KPI strength the record, when the committee brings up what you are in quadrants, they're trying to evaluate what you've done and maybe get a little bit of blend of both. The net does do that a little bit as well. And maybe Loyola Chicago's net ranking is going to help them. If it, we'll know if it is for sure because it's sixteen right now, and sixteen, as Parrish mentioned, equates to a four seat at this point. If you want to really splice hairs and say, you know what though, bump them down a bit and get a five, I'd love to see it. I want to be proven wrong here. Your point on Houston is well taken. I do think it's a dart throw, and I will be fascinated to see how people that are you know project the bracket if there is a difference of opinion. Because I think there should be, or if groupthink will take over and people will suddenly try and clump Loyola Chicago along that 10 or 11 line, we are in agreement. They should be a single-digit seed. I just happen to believe that the committee will not be able to do anything but make sure they are wearing road uniforms, which means nine at best on Selection Sunday.
1: The season I was thinking of was 2015-16. Wichita State had eight losses on Selection Sunday, but was still... Um, like top 15 at Ken Palm. and they got, they got sent to the first four.
0: I remember this as well. They've had a couple of seasons like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. They were top 15 at Ken Palm. They get an 11 seed. They go to the first four kill Vanderbilt by 20. And then they go and play Arizona two days later and they beat Arizona by double digits. And I think I remember Sean Miller making the point, which it, yeah. it was true then. And, it will be true for whoever has to play loyola chicago in this tournament. Shaw Miller said when you don't seed wichita state correctly, you're not just screwing them. You're screwing us. Cuz now we cuz now we got to play that we got to play a top 15 team in the round of 64. Why, 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 why did you yeah. make us do that? And that is exactly what is going to happen to somebody in this bracket, whoever gets matched up against Loyola Chicago. How about this? Loyola Chicago won 60% of its games in the first two quadrants this season. All right? Texas won 53% of its games in the first two quadrants this season. But Texas is a three seed. Loyola Chicago is a 12. Houseway.
0: Houseway, <laughs> no, it's a good point. I was at, I was at uh, Houseway. I was at the Providence Pod when all of that went down with Wichita State. And so we've had a couple of situations like that in the past. loyalist Chicago, yet again, it's the Valley. Uh, it's kind of fascinating how this league tends to present these scenarios each year, or not each year, but you know, with some frequency over the past decade.
1: And I know Texas has six quadrant one wins, and loyalist Chicago only has two. Like I got it, um, but. Loyal Chicago has got a higher winning percentage inside the first two quadrants than Texas. That's a fact. Now, now well, well, well Texas has six. Yeah, because they played 12. You know, they played 12, so they got six. What 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 you know what, what if Loyola Chicago got to play twelve? Maybe they'd have six too. Yeah. You know? Maybe they'd have more. So I'm not saying that that Loyola Chicago has to be seated equal two, Texas, or, you know, within a seed line or two of Texas. If I were seeding right now, I'd have Texas above Loyola Chicago. I just don't know how one could be a three seed and the other could be a 12. And to circle back to the the initial point, if you give Loyola Chicago a 12 seed, you are screwing the five seed that they get matched up against. Right now, Jerry's Palms five seeds are Clemson, Creighton, Virginia, Texas Tech. Loyola Chicago would be favored over any of those teams on a neutral court today.
0: Maybe not Virginia.
1: Maybe? Maybe, maybe, but Ken Palm says he would. Fair.
0: Okay. Can we touch Drake?
1: Second question, dead leg. Drake going to get an at-large bid.
0: This is the team that is the true no one knows. No one knows. It has to now it has to wait. Here this is the drawback to the Valley having its league tournament when it does. Now it gets a great standalone game on Network of Stars, every CBS
1: so- is America's most watched network.
0: Week before selection Sunday, but now you got to sit and you got to wait it out here. You and I are in agreement. Right now, we assemble the field. Drake is in. It's 1 and 2 in quad 1, 5 and 0 in quad 2. It's a good that's a good thing to hang your hat on. Two quad three losses, unfortunately, and has played eleven games in quad four. Drake is twenty-three and four. You're gonna see twenty-five and four probably on TV. It has two games against non-D1s. Those wins don't count. So it is twenty-three and four in the eyes of the selection committee. Like Michigan State beating Michigan is not good for Drake. One team's results alone don't affect another. It's it's really how, you know, all of that stuff around the bubble cut line interacts with each other. But you don't want that, I promise you. Now, Drake has been dominant much of the season. In fact, there's only like two teams in all of college basketball. This is not a selection criteria, just so you know, but uh, the only teams that have been better against the spread this season, UConn Huskies, 79% they've covered. Navy took an, took an L as a one seed. Brutal stuff. 77.8 against the spread. Drake is 76.9 against the spread this season. It has That's to say it has overcome expectations and dominated plenty of teams. It has nine road wins. The committee does historically value road wins. The only other team in the NCAA tournament picture with at least nine road wins, in fact, there's none with more, is projected one seed Illinois. It's done a lot. We have an interesting personnel situation because Darren DeVries has stated multiple times that its best player, Tank Hemphill, will be back in time for the tournament. They wanted him back in time for the Missouri Valley to avoid this exact situation. Whether he had been played and the would they have won, no one can say. Probably not. Loyal is pretty good. But the committee should also take this into effect. I think no matter what happens, barring us looking up at the teams that are the last four in and the first four out, and all of them are like rolling through their league tournaments parish, barring that, I think that Drake is the it's just the big question mark. Put a put a big old question mark over that logo. No one's going to know until we get to Selection Sunday, I do believe that if it gets in, the only way it's getting in is getting shipped to either Mackey or Bloomington to play in the first four.
1: Oh, yeah. If they're in, they got first four written all over them. All yeah. over them. Six and two in the first two quadrants, two quadrant three losses, but one of them did come without Shanquan Um Jerry Palm had him as a 12th seed on Sunday morning. I don't think losing a competitive game to a higher seeded team should knock you out of the bracket. So when I wake up on Monday, I'm going to trust that Drake is still in the bracket. And then, you know, does the bubble shrink too much for him? You know, does Seton Hall or Syracuse or Ole Miss stack big wins in their conference tournaments and and pass them? Um, um, You know, those are the nightmare scenarios for for Drake. But right now, I think they're fine. If the question is, are they going to be fine, you know, at 8 o'clock next Sunday night? I don't know. I don't know. They, they they really need things to to hold true to form in some of these leagues
0: and at least the early returns on conference tournaments if things are not holding true to form. They're not. I mean, it was... Uh, over the weekend... Now, some of these one seeds that lost, they weren't actually... They're not the highest rated Ken Palm teams in their league, but purely from a seed perspective, Sunbelts, top seed, Texas State, out of here. Navy, as I mentioned, out of here. Belmont... We can talk your, their case if you want as well. They're now they don't out. Have a case. I, I, I don't think they're. I don't. Unfortunately, I just don't think they have the case. Have four losses with what they had there. I. I don't. They have, I don't. They
1: have no. Like I just. Drake's got six wins. Yeah, in I the know. first two quarters, Belmont has zero. I know. And there, there's no case. They have an awesome record. That's a very good team they do not have a NCAA tournament resume.
0: Unfortunately, and they got screwed with COVID scheduling, but it's just it's just one too many losses unfortunately. Wagner one seed in the NAC gone. The America East lost both UVM and UNBC the top two seats. They're out of their bracket and the SoCon lost 2, 3 and 4. So there was A lot of carnage at the mid-major level in some league tournaments over the weekend. Drake still has a good case. By the way, just shout-outs to the auto-bids. Moorhead State, Winthrop, Loyola, of course, Liberty. Those are your four teams in the tournament auto-bids achieved over the weekend there. Yeah, I mean, Drake should be in as of right now, but it is going to get interesting. All it takes is... um, Like, Seton Hall's a great example. So, Seton Hall's going to play, I think, St. John's in the 4-5 of the Big East. And if Seton Hall can beat St. John's, or even vice versa. St. John's beats Seton Hall, and then Nova gets knocked out. We can get to them in a minute if you want. That is going to put them in a much better position then than they are now. Like, those teams are behind Drake right now. But that kind of stuff is exactly how you get nudged right into the NIT. It will be an uneasy seven days for that program. Yeah, you know, and the, the truth is,
1: like – They hung around. That's all they did, though, in the championship game. They just hung around. They never felt like they were going to win the game. They they were just hanging around. Now they're down two of their top three players. Like, I give Darren a lot of credit to even hold this thing together as well as he did. Losing two of the top three? Like, that's not midseason? Like, that's not easy. And yet, you know, they they held it together pretty well. Now they just got to hope the bubble doesn't shrink on them or some of these teams that are below them as of right now you know, like Drake's in the clubhouse, if you'll accept a golf analogy. Like, they posted their score. It is what it is. You know, Ole Miss got three holes to play or whatever. You know, Seton yes. Hall's got holes to play. You just don't want Seton Hall going birdie, birdie, birdie on you. You don't want Ole Miss going birdie eagle on you. Uh, they, they could get passed. I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, it, it's going to be a nervous week for, for everybody connected to that program. Before we get out of here, well, let's bounce around a little bit. Some other notable results from the weekend. Oklahoma State – Won at West Virginia without Cade Cunningham? What? That was something. Villanova dropped to 0-1 without Colin Gillespie. Lost to Providence. North Carolina thumped Duke. Blue Devils at large dreams, dead. Florida State? What in the world? (laughs) Lost at Notre Dame. Blew a chance to be back-to-back ACC champs. UConn beat Georgetown. Huskies are now 10-2 with James Booknight. Just 4-4 and without him. That's another thing the selection committee is going to have to consider. Creighton crushed Butler, then Marcus Zagorowski backed Greg McDermott. The Fighting Camels lost the Big Mm -hmm. South title Mm -hmm. game. That's bad news. But UMass Lowell, Elvis Presley's alma mater advanced to the America East title game. That's the good news. And, yes, I know, USC beat (laughs) UCLA at the buzzer. Sand the court. Sand it! one can stay.
0: I don't even know where to start here. There's a lot. I want it. You know what? Let's let's save that one for just a bit here. Let's go. Uh, UMass Lowell, get out of my face. Win an auto. Bid.
1: Elvis Presley went to school now, and now they're one win away from the NCAA tournament. Elvis is smiling from his grave in his front yard,
0: just off Elvis Presley Boulevard. Didn't win at Ohio State. Win an auto bid, then you can come back to me. Not impressed yet. Okay, UMass, UMass Lowell,
1: Elvis Presley's alma mater, is in. The, I'm actually conflicted on this. If you want me to be honest, you know who they're playing.
0: Uh, of course, I know who they're playing. It's the one time they're going to host the America East title game. I can't even go because of COVID. Hartford I'm Hartford. Why is this a thing for you? Why? Why? Why are you conflicted about John Gallagher coaching against Elvis Presley's alma mater in the America East title game? Because John Gallagher is one of my favorite people. Okay, in college enough.
1: basketball. When you start ranking, put get together a list of fun guys in college basketball. Yes. John Gallagher's gonna be on that list.
0: By the way, I love he, John Gallagher. He so is like what do,
1: so what do I do? I got Elvis Presley's alma mater against John Gallagher's team. This is the, a tough spot for me.
0: If if there's one coach you know who will forgive you, it is Gallagher. He is good company. Hartford was supposed to play in the America East title game last year and it got canceled against Vermont. So they get back good on them. I saw Hartford and Bubbleville at the start of the season, and long ago Gallagher said, "Actually, you know, we keep everything together here. Next year will be the year. So whether or not it wins next weekend, we'll have to wait and see. But Hartford's actually supposed to be even better next year; could be a top two team in that league. Let's talk Winthrop Campbell real quick here. No, no fighting camels in the NCAA tournament. Winthrop gets it done. They um, didn't even put up a fight. They did not. I, I except I, I
1: swear to God, like that I was, we were, we were between HQ hits. Yeah and whatever our first game of the day was, I guess Memphis-Houston was going on at the same time as this, but I did have Campbell on, like, you know, second screen, and I was mostly watching Memphis-Houston. When I glanced over to Campbell, there was, like, a a hard foul. There was
0: almost a fight. They did, And I was,
1: like, I was so (laughs) excited. I was, like, the Fighting Campbells are actually going to fight in the championship game. And then it got, like, it it de-escalated pretty quickly. But, like, for a half a second... I thought the fighting Campbell's were actually gonna fight. I was fired up.
0: I was right there with you. I had my eyes locked in it. It did not happen. Campbell has tried was trying to get to the tournament for the first time since '92. Didn't happen. It had won nine games in a row. It was as Campbell had its longest win streak since joining Division One in '77, and that win streak was snapped by Winthrop. Which is 23-1. and one. Um, I think it's going to be locked in on the 13 line. I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to see Winthrop on the 12 line. I think it is deserving of that, but we'll have to wait and see. One thing to keep in mind, by the way, since the Ivy League doesn't get its, its auto bid this year, we have one more at-large bid. There's going to be a team that is out of place, if you will, on the 13 line. So you're probably going to have a power conference team as a 13. That's normally occupied. The way the math breaks down with 13s through 16s, it's normally the one-bid leagues that take up those in most seasons. That's not going to be the case this year. There'll be... a there'll be a, a misfit toy in that group, if you will.
1: That, that sounds like where we'll put Sandro Mama Kielishvili.
0: Maybe. Although they got, they got work to do. They, they I know I trust me. I'd love to be, I'd love to see big Sandy in the tournament there. This is Winthrop. I love watching him play. Oh, I great. want him in the tournament. He's I great. do too. No, they are, they are good, but they, they can't, they can't get out of they their don't own
1: way. Win. They, they stop, they can't, they can't stop losing. They
0: cannot get out of their own way. Winthrop's won three games in a row by more than 20, uh, four games in a row by 20 plus. Um and they won the Big South tournament last year when there was no tournament. This is the 11th one in school history. So congrats to the to the, the Eagles. Um, they make the committee not have to deal with uh, not putting a two-loss team in, into the NCAA tournament. Locked up situations over the week. Illinois, borderline locked up a one seed. Wichita State locked. They're in the field. They get the win. They win the conference at 11-2. Rutgers wins. They're locked. VCU, I think, probably should be, but they're going to see the Bonnies who are definitely locked in. They're going to face off in the A 10 title game on Sunday. Some... Some interesting Twitter discussion with St. Bonaventure moving on. <laughs> so, uh, shouts to Adrian Wojnarowski, who got fired up over St. Bonaventure beating St. Louis. That created some interesting uh, discussion In there. there. I the was, I was the dude loves... He loves, he
1: loves his bonnies.
0: It Love is them. It is amazing that the... The far and away leading NBA insider guy went to this tiny school in the middle of nowhere in New York and is just all in on the Bonnies. He's all in. I like mean, I was, he I, is going after people and doing degree smack with St. Louis grads after this game goes. It was, it was unbelievable. So he t- he's texting me in the middle of the
1: game. I didn't even know the Bonneys were playing. I'm, I'm like trying to do a Western Kentucky game or something, and, and it's like it's like we're we're really good! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! <laughs> Next thing I know, he's. He's fighting on Twitter with the uh, St. Oh. Louis fans, <laughs> and i have and I'm, and I'm, te- I'm him. i him. I'm I'm like, dude, I am dying watching you argue with an Anheuser Busch employee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing. That was that was just an unexpected from a wonderful, just wild weekend in college basketball. Woj getting into the at mentions was a, a beautiful, beautiful bonus. Um, Side note on Duke, they're done, whatever. Coach K has not lost. Shouts to Andy Tulin, who you know, great researcher at CBS. First time since 89-90 that Duke lost to unranked Carolina twice by double digits. UNC, Lock City, of course, good on you. Uh, I got to talk UConn real quick, so I don't think you picked up on this. So on our, on our hit, or maybe you did... But on our hit, we were talking about UConn. They get the win. Like, they're in book night. That is going to be an interesting seed situation as well because they're clearly better without them, but they're going to get dinged for the losses. And who knows? You and I agree that that's the pick to win the Big East tournament at this point. Uh, but apparently on HQ, I said something to the effect of UConn fans have been just waiting to get back into the Biggie's tournament. You know, this, this school was in the ACC. It begged to get back into the league. And what I was trying to convey was that, like, being a Connecticut resident and being married to a, a UConn alum, the fan base has been just, it was starving within two or three years of joining the American, some would say since the second it joined that league, national title or not, to get back in the Big East. And so I inadvertently kind of conveyed that the school was begging the Big East to get back into the league when I was trying to say, like, the fans were just begging the school administration. Well, <laughs> Dave Benedict is the athletic director at UConn. And apparently, I don't know if he was watching HQ Live or got back to him, but I had an athletic director at a major conference school subtweet me with a meme emoji on Saturday, <laughs> and, then U- <laughs> and then UConn fans came after me. Like, well, the, the, did the, you know I this? A, did you see well, that this was happening?
1: Well, let me tell you how I was aware that this was a controversial thing that was said on CBS Sports HQ, because like some guy tweeted me. Was like, yeah, I saw Gary Parish on CBS Sports HQ. He said we were begging to get back in
0: the Big East. I'm like, I didn't say that.
1: I didn't say any of that. That's dead leg. They they they, they were confusing me. We dead leg.
0: You got cro- you got caught in the crossfire. They got they got the wrong limb. They, they saw a dead arm. And it happens. So UConn fans, I hear you. They had done some great um some great fundraising through taking shots of hot sauce. So, uh, UConn fans listening, I'm going to make that happen, I think, on Monday. I couldn't chance doing this before I had to go and talk on HQ for seven hours on Sunday and lose the ability to speak in addition to podcast. Keep an eye. I'll make it happen. UConn, you look really, really good. Like, you are the pick to win the Big East. couple of Big East notes. One, we don't have an answer on McDermott's status for the Big E's tournament as we record this podcast. Got to think that's coming Monday. We don't have clarity. GP mentioned Zagorowski making the statement. I thought it was a very good statement there. And then Villanova loses 54-52 at Providence. Doesn't look good in the process. It loses Justin Moore, who gets injured. Still awaiting the results of his MRI. Hopefully that's not serious. He tweaks an ankle there. Just a lot of noise in the Big East over the weekend. Xavier takes a loss at Butler, which is problematic because now it's—I mean—against Marquette. Now it's got to play Butler Wednesday in the Big East tournament. That's a must-win situation for X. So um, I know we got a few more things to get to, but the Big East I thought was worth just a quick—a quick few words here because Parish, n- n- listen—you know, Providence, well coached, they got some good players, but Nova, it—it it showed up and looked like it was. Missing his point guard? Correct. And physically affected by not having Colin Gillespie. Like it was and it, it was close, don't get me wrong, but then they lose Justin Moore. Like it could be if that's a long term thing, like if it's a high ankle sprain, he's not gonna be available for the Big East tournament. Like there's no way Nova's gonna win that. And then its seed is gonna really suffer because of it.
1: I tweeted on Saturday night, I'm locked in. UConn is the Big East Tournament champ. That's my pick. Villanova is 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 a lesser version of itself. Creighton doesn't have his coach. Now He might have his coach, but it, you know, obviously that's a delicate situation. Um, and I'm not sure UConn's not better than both of them anyway. Like, they're 10-2 yeah. and two with James Booknight. Like, they've been off the national radar most of this season because they lost some games. Well, why'd they lose some games? He's the best player. Future first-round pick was not there. But now he's back. They're 10-2 and two with him, 4-4 four and four without him. Watch this. They're going to be under-seeded in the NCAA tournament and they're going to win their first game.
0: You're, you can't wait for the are ready for all these under-seedings. You're, you, I, you can't – not that you can't pick against them, but they look really, really good right now. And book night's such a game-changer. It's not just him. I mean, Tyler Polly, Isaiah Whaley, just a couple of really, really nice seniors. R.J. Cole, he can get into it a little bit there. I Andre Jackson, who Dan Hurley, by the way, said he's the best athlete I've ever seen in person. At least that's what they relayed on the broadcast over the weekend. I don't know if he was saying, like, in terms of players I've coached because – Dan Hurley's seen some ridiculous athletes, so I hope that's not a Rick Patino level inflation of a statement there.
1: I mean, I mean, I hope. I hope he has he ever watched
0: Russell Westbrook? Exactly. Like, and and I, I would hope so. You would think that Dan Hurley's been in the same gym at some point in his life as Russell Westbrook.
1: But, Probably been in the same gym as LeBron James.
0: Exactly, exactly. But regardless, so that's that's where we're at with that. UConn's the pick to win the Big East tournament, and 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 if by the way, if it does. That will be something that will just put that fan base on cloud nine and at the same time be ever so bittersweet because they do it the first time they get back and the general public's not allowed to go to the garden, but they'll take it in any way they can get it. And Ob- oh,
1: how nice it's going to be to have UConn guards dominating in the garden again it in is, March. It,
0: honestly, like I I kind of I, I don't know if I said this on HQ, but I was thinking I was like, it's been great to have UConn back in that league. But once we turn on our televisions and UConn's going up in the Big East tournament, and if it gets to like the semifinals on a Friday night, that's going to be kick-ass. So, yeah, that'll be a really cool thing.
1: And you know what? Dick, and We talked about this before, but I was just sort of reminded of it today. Like when I'm watching Michigan, Michigan State, Memphis, Houston, I know the crowd's not there. I don't really even – I don't feel like it takes that much away. It certainly doesn't take as much away as I thought it would take away from the television product. Like they still feel like big games and high-stakes stuff – even in the absence of of capacity crowds it's it, it, we've figured out a way to shoot it the right way to make it sound the right way it's i have moments when i'm watching where i kind of forget ah oh, nobody's there
0: uh i would agree with you uh i would agree with you and some of these some of these venues um they do have fans like baylor macy O'Teague is absurd baylor by the way just rolls texas Baylor I mean, baylor's just all the way back they were Awesome. Macy Oteague, shouts to you. That team is going to the Big 12. But, how, about but, the,
1: how about the Drew brothers, both winning conference championships in the same year?
0: Big-time stuff. And and you uh, <laughs> you forgot about Bill Henderson's brother, Will. I didn't want to mention that to you on Twitter, but you forgot about Willie Henderson. Not well-known. Coached at the NI, NAI I, level in the 40s. So.
1: I tweeted that last night. I was like, it's a shame, Bill Henderson didn't have a brother who coached Division one basketball. And I, like, very quickly got a text from Scott Drew, and he dropped a hook reference. <laughs> Talked about Huck the dog,
0: Huck baby. Sounds to Jeff Schwab and family. Um, all right.
1: Is, that, in all seriousness, that is an awesome I accomplishment. I mean, how many leagues are there this year? Two of them are. Or two of them are won by Drew brothers.
0: Did Sean and Archie win it in the same year? They must I have. I don't right? think so. No? Certainly They're not, not never, this year. Not. <laughs> definitely not this year. Uh, hey, how, the,
1: the the Miller brothers have gone from like, remember, like there was a day where they were both in the elite eight.
0: Yeah, I remember. And
1: now. Oh, by the way, we haven't talked on this, and it's old now. Right. Looks like he's going to survive.
0: I, I I guess. That was a uh, Friday night news dump and whatever. Like, we will have time to talk Arizona. But, yes, they released a notice of allegations, and at the end of all of this, there's one thing on Sean Miller. So, yeah, I mean, there's still a contract. If they,
1: if they stood through it, buying through all this stuff, I don't know why you'd bail now.
0: I, I'm kind of with you on that, by the way, but he's got one year left on the deal, I believe, and at the power conference level, you just don't... That, that's like something you do if you're coaching in the Southland or the NEC. You know, like the Binghamton coach got let go. He just coached through the end of his contract. You know, that, That's just not something that happens at the power conference level, so they have to figure that out. But yeah, they are going to still face a... Postseason ban, I think, but sure, yeah, but that I was mean, I that think, was.
1: I, I say, I, I should say, I think, yeah. I, I assume,
0: yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would think so. uh But that was Friday, and,
1: and, and Sean will face a suspension.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that's unavoidable, and so it's just a matter of if Arizona, knowing that that's going to happen eventually, uh, who know, who knows. I, I still don't even think. Uh, my personal guess, before we get to elsewhere news in the Pac-12, my guess is we will not have that. The IRP has not even ruled on Memphis yet. I'm. I, I think that we're going to be, one year from now, Missouri Valley Championship Night 2022, we're still not going to have an answer from the IARP on Arizona. They ha- they're they like that's, ninth that's, in line, and absurd. we haven't even gotten Memphis yet. Well, that would be absurd. I'm telling you. Someone remember. I'm remembered. T- they haven't done one yet. What are we doing? The, oh, I know. Arizona's okay. behind all of these other schools. So my point is...
1: Well is there are we are we sure that it's like a line like at Kroger, like your state? I in do, I do actually
0: do I do think it is. It's <laughs> Kro, it's Kroger <laughs> level. Yes, and I do think they are taking them in order. Like we're gonna know about NC State, Kansas, all these other schools before before we get to those. So my point is if that's gonna be the case, like they gotta they gotta figure out like whether it's a two year extension, three year extension. Like they cannot ask Sean Miller to go into the final you're killing your program if you do that, by the way. But Another deal altogether.
1: Yeah, my, my initial point was that the Drew brothers are flying <laughs> no. high, and the Miller brothers were once in the Elite Eight together, like the hottest things. Now one of them is on the hot seat at Indiana, and the other one is still in the middle of an NCAA case, although I think we can agree, all things considered, if I'm Sean Miller, I'm pleased with that Notice of allegations.
0: Unquestionably. I mean... DeAndre Ayton son in the allegations. Javon Quinterly's name son in the notice of allegations. It was a good day for Sean Miller. And it also begs the question, and I know we're kind of getting on a tangent, whatever. Like, why the hell did the school refuse to release your state institution? I would have that thing the second I got what it. What are we doing? And then it gets buried on a Friday night at this time of the year. Like that was a
1: good, like, here's the thing. All notice of allegations are bad. I, Given what most assume might be there, that was a good notice of allegations. If I were Arizona, I would have released that within 24 hours of us getting it and saying, hey, all of y'all have been calling our head coach this and that. He ain't even in this thing, exactly. except for he didn't promote – uh, that's climate it. Of of uh, whatever. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. Exactly. They have them for coach control. That's the only thing. And they've yeah. had the, they've had the NOA for freaking months. A, a,
1: a, 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 an environment of compliance. Exactly. You you know, that, that's it. That's all you. That's after all of this. That's all they got on our head coach. A lot of you owe him an apology. Like I would have. That. Like I would have. You couldn't have got that notice of allegations made public more quickly um, if you'd have had me in charge. I'd. <laughs> that, that was a good. That's a good notice of allegations for Arizona. All things considered, it's a great. Notice of allegations for Sean Miller, all things considered.
0: Yeah, they mishandled that. But you know what? Oh, and
1: by the way, let me be clear about this. Yeah, It doesn't mean that Sean Miller never did anything wrong or Sean Miller didn't know what some of these other people were doing. It just means that, and I'm not saying he definitely did. I'm just saying this doesn't mean Sean Miller was innocent. It just means that he ain't going to be charged with the crimes that a lot of people thought he was going to be charged with.
0: All right. Oh, by the way, from the weekend, Virginia won its fifth ACC regular season championship in eight years, and it only gets it done because Florida State takes two losses that no one saw coming. So Tony Bennett, uh, all credit to him. This might be... I don't know if it's least if it's his least talented team with the five, but it certainly is his least impressive on the surface. And yet again, he wins it again. It's just amazing. So uh, credit to Virginia for doing that uh, and getting another. It, when you look at what he has done, and we've talked about it plenty, but like it's just it's just a joke. Like it, it, Virginia, what it is now, and I tweeted this after. Like you remember this? Like think about Virginia basketball shortly after you started at CBS. Like you know, random throwaway games on ESPNU or ESPN two was often not in the NCAA tournament conversation. It is just, it it was a different program altogether. And Bennett has just elevated it to another level. So good on Virginia for doing that. And now we must get to, well, we must get to.
1: How many times is UCLA going to lose on base on out of bounds plays in the same season?
0: This was, isn't that,
1: isn't that two? Did two? Didn't the Stanford OT game?
0: Yeah. And, oh, yes, exactly. And a year ago, a year ago, Mick Cronin, Raining back 12 coach of the year. Whose reputation we may have inflated just a little bit on the podcast. Speak for yourself. This is the second straight year that UCLA has ended its regular season by losing at the almost buzzer against USC. You hate to see it. Now, we've got a situation in Los Angeles where the Trojans are going to stay on this damn court. Hmm. We said goodbye to John Wooden, I don't know, was that a year and a half ago? I can't even remember how long it's, it's been. It's
1: been a while. I think it was like right around the time. Yeah, like right around when Mick got it turned around. You know, yeah, last exactly. Year, yeah, February.
0: like 14 months ago, I'm sure. And and now we got to call up whatever that company that was. Get the Sanders in there. Get Mick Cronin's name the hell off that hardwood in I'm Westwood.
1: Not com- I'm not comfortable with this. Uh,
0: listen, this th- these were the terms. UCLA had this game. perish. Parrish? You can't just name the terms without having agreement from me. These you are the – I never I agree I, I don't know this. if I – I don't know if I agreed that we should take John Wooden's name off this. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. And I – I don't – Either way, Andy and Amanda Enfield and Nell Wooden Court, hashtag Nell can stay. This is phenomenal. I do not lie to, Listen, it was an – amazing. You know how amazing this weekend was. We're going long on this podcast. Whatever. We'll wrap it in a minute. I – I lost it in my office when this shot went in because we were getting ready. Like we were thinking, you know, HQ, yada, yada, what's coming up next, whatever. I didn't see it coming. And when Tajidi hits that baseline three, I might have blacked out. I just could not believe that this is how it ends. Shouts to the Enfields. I
1: didn't even see it live. I was saying Charles Bassey over and over again (laughs) on Facebook watch. I was in the middle of a game. And next thing I know, my mentions are just going Crazy saying the court, saying the court, saying the court. I I, I was there for Dunk City. I witnessed the Florida Gulf Coast run. Me and Amanda go way back. I'd be happy to see her name on a court. Don't. But I don't know about at the expense of Mick's name. I don't know that we... feel like the stakes were a little too high for a regular season game.
0: One game, sure. But Mick Cronin has faced USC... Andy and Amanda Enfield's program four times. Four times. The first time was a 74-63 loss at home on then Mick Cronin court. And Nell Wooden Hashtag Nelkin's stay. Then 54-52 regular season finale last year. This season, all of a month ago, at USC, 66-48. What are we doing? I'm pretty sure you pick UCLA to win that by 15, by the way. And then we see what happens here. 0 for 4, 64-63 on Saturday. I don't feel like this requires any more review. If you need a a meeting in the Pac-12 tournament to decide this once and for all, you're gonna have to take it up with Amanda and Andy. Because as far as I'm concerned, that Sanders showing up on Monday and it's getting to town because UCLA has not has, has played its last game in that venue for the rest of the season. Can so you know wait? what? Hold on. Can you we- know what? It can, maybe for the rest of the offseason, okay? Let it live out its final days in darkness inside Reef's Nelson's pavilion. <laughs> and then when we get to November, what needs to be done shall be done. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester,
1: South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, Amiff, and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you guys for listening once again to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. This is, oh boy, this is something. It's been something. It's been a hell of a ride. Did you watch the golf tournament, by the way, at all today?
0: Not even one bit. I was going to ask you if you were getting on a plane tomorrow.
1: I'm getting on a plane Wednesday. Okay, there we go. I'm going to New York City. I'm I'm, I'm abandoning my family for two weeks. (laughs) I didn't see the
0: golf, by the way. How does the golf tie into this?
1: It it was in Florida. In Florida, they decided
0: the pandemic's over. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) It looked like it looked like a real golf tournament. Fans I everywhere. I don't
0: think that's breaking, by the way, but yeah. Okay.
1: Like Br- Bryce, uh, Bryson de DeChambeau is like walking up to the tee box, and there's like five thousand people behind him. It, it wasn't, but it like it looked like it. I was just, it was striking to watch sports, and it looked like the way we used to watch sports. Bryson DeChambeau, by the way, par uh, on eighteen to to win, uh, you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> tournament it was, something to do with Arnold Palmer. <laughs> so, but anyway, they decide. I don't know if this is good news or bad news, but in Florida, they decided the pandemic's over. So I've been waiting for it to be over. It ain't going to be
0: over when you land in New York. I'm just telling you that right now. And yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to the Big Apple.
1: If you haven't subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. We will talk to you again on Wednesday morning. Till then, take care. the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary as we speak rap music on trial now streaming exclusively on paramount plus head to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply